0: I'm so excited to jump into this new series with you today, and it's just simply titled How I Met Jesus. And so over the next few weeks, you're going to hear some more stories like Melissa's. Can we give Melissa a hand? Thanks for sharing your story with us. If you're newer to Mosaic and you don't know Melissa yet, um, it's worth getting to meet her um, and and experiencing a big old hug. And so uh, she's a hugger. And so, man, we we love her and thanks so much for sharing her story. But we're going to hear some more stories over the next few weeks. and, And here's the deal. Man, we believe that everyone has a different journey. Everyone is living a different story. Everyone is unique in some way. But one thing that is not unique about us is that every single one of us needs to meet Jesus. Every single one of us, it doesn't matter who you are on the planet. It doesn't matter where you were born or how you were brought up or or what you think about life or what your opinions might be. You know, our opinions don't change the truth. And the truth is, is that Jesus loves you more than you can imagine. He loves you just the way you are and he loves you way too much to leave you that way. And so every single one of us have an opportunity to meet Jesus. And it is the singular way in the entire world that every single one of our stories can share a common thread. Because he is the one that created us and loved us enough to lay down his life in our place and to pay the sin, pay for the sin uh, for, uh, for all humanity. And so we're gonna talk about over the next four weeks how some people throughout history have met Jesus, how some people in our church have met Jesus. And I hope and pray that at the end of these four weeks, that every single person in this room, every single person watching online, every single person that experiences these services over the next week can articulate how they met Jesus. Because here's what I know. Everybody hasn't met him yet. You might be sitting here today and you might know about him, but you don't know him. You don't know him. And you know what? That's okay. Okay. You are in the perfect spot. You're in the right spot. You're exactly where you need to be. And God loves you so much that he sent his son so that you could meet him. And so I pray that happens over these next four weeks and maybe even today. How about it? But I've, met, I've not met many famous people in my life. Um, you know, some people have some really cool stories about running into so-and-so here and there. I, I've got a couple. And, so, and when you do meet famous people, you like to tell the story, right? And so one of mine is back in college. I, I was a valet. I parked cars, um, and man, we ran hard, and we drove fast cars, and and sometimes we drove them a little too fast when the people weren't watching. And so those commercials that you've seen about valet drivers, they're true. And so uh, and so, but I was at this restaurant on a Friday night, and the twins were playing down the street at the Metrodome because uh, I I was you know going to school in Minneapolis, and. Just so happened to be playing the, the Orioles that night. And some of you don't know, but that's a major league baseball team over in Baltimore. And so this dude named Cal Ripken Jr., he is a stud, right? He played more games consecutively without like, having a day off than anybody ever, I think, in the history of the game. The dude was an absolute beast. And so he happened to be playing that that night. What I didn't know was that that night, when I was working, he hit his 3,000th hit. And guess where he went to dinner after the game? My restaurant. And so, no, I didn't get to park his car, but as he got out of the hotel shuttle van, I got to say, hello, Mr. Ripken. (laughs) And as a baseball fan, I had his baseball cards. That was pretty cool for me, right? Other times when I was valeting, I got to meet Chris Carter, who was a wide receiver for them for the Vikings and I got to meet some other uh, you know kind of names that you don't know as much from the Vikings but it was cool I got to I got to park Kevin Garnett's Range Rover pretty neat story um, but just it's cool right it's just like makes you feel cool that you got to be around somebody that everybody knows but here's what else I know those were fleeting moments with fleeting people they're very temporary fleeting moments with temporary people. Maybe some of you have had VIP stage passes for a concert and you got to go behind the scenes. Maybe you got to stand in a room with some other people that had the badge and and get to shake the hands with the artist and spend maybe 20 minutes, 30 minutes with somebody that's really famous, right? Maybe it was one night. Maybe it was one hour. Maybe it was a few minutes. But there are fleeting moments with fleeting people. But when you meet Jesus, it's not just a moment. One of the things I love about Melissa's story is, is man, it was a journey over years. And it's this process. And, and as the time went on, the relationship just got better. And that's God's heart for you. You see, meeting Jesus isn't just a one-time, check-it-off-the-list kind of thing. We can talk about religion all day long, but thank God following Jesus is not a religion. It is about a relationship. I've never met a God. I've never met Buddha. I've never even met a, 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 you know, one of the prophets that some religions are based on. I've never met Muhammad. I've never met Thor or Loki. Some of you get that. Some of you are like, who is he talking about? I've never met a God, little g, in person, but I've met Jesus. And the personal and relational aspect of following Jesus cannot be overstated. And that's why we're gonna take four weeks to talk about it. We don't just follow a creed. We don't just follow a list of rules. We don't just follow an idea. We follow a person. We follow a person, and this is where we gotta get. We're following a person, and we have 24-7, 365 access to that person. His name is Jesus. And so in Luke chapter 19 today, if you wanna grab your notes and maybe open the app, or open your Bible app, or open your your, um, analog Bible, that's paper, and it, it actually opens like this. Turn to Luke chapter 19, verses 1 through 10. We're going to read the story of uh, a little man who I can identify with. He was vertically challenged in the Bible named Zacchaeus. Luke 19, 1 through 10. Let's read. It says, Jesus entered Jericho and made his way through the town. There was a man there named Zacchaeus. He was the chief tax collector in the region and he had become very rich. He tried to get a look at Jesus, but he was too short to see over the crowd, so he ran ahead and he climbed a sycamore fig tree beside the road, for Jesus was going to pass that way. When Jesus came by, he looked up at Zacchaeus and called him by name. Zacchaeus, he said, quick, come down. I must be a guest in your home today. Zacchaeus quickly climbed down and took Jesus to his house in great excitement and joy. But the people were displeased. He has gone to be the guest of a notorious sinner, they grumbled. Meanwhile, Zacchaeus stood before the Lord and said, I will give half my wealth to the poor, and poor Lord, and if I have cheated people in their taxes, which he had, right, I will give them back four times as much. Jesus responded, salvation has come to this home today. For this man has shown himself to be a true son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and save those who are lost. Amen. Let's pray. God, I pray that as we dig through this passage, as we look at your word, that you just open up our hearts. God, I pray for those that haven't yet met you, whether they're in this room today or they're watching online. God, I pray that you just do something special in their hearts and life. God, I pray that, that they can go from maybe viewing all this as, a, as just a church service or just a religion, but that they can really meet you, that you're real, that you love them. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So how did Zacchaeus meet Jesus? You know, it seems kind of obvious as reading the story, but we're going to unpack some points and, and dig a little deeper. And so, number one, Jesus' reputation preceded him. You see, it was obvious by the story that the first time Zacchaeus heard about Jesus wasn't that day. He heard he was coming. He thought, man, I've got a chance to meet him. And he got ready. And so what does it say? Jesus entered Jericho. You know, I think it's, it's kind of funny. If you've, if you've read scripture um, some, if you kind of know some stories from the Old Testament, this was the city that the Israelites back in the Old Testament had marched around, you know, once a day for six days. And on the seventh day, they marched around seven times and all the walls came tumbling down, right? And so obviously the city's, you know, kind of rebuilt back by now and, and they're walking in and, and Jesus is coming to see people there. So there's this man named Zacchaeus, the chief tax collector in the region. He's rich. Why? Because he's making money off of everybody else's back and no one likes him. So he tries to get a look at Jesus, but he was too short to see over the crowd. How many of you relate with that? You go to a concert, you go to an event and um, the the rows aren't really slanted and you always get stuck behind the tall guy. That's me. So annoying. Why do y'all have to be so tall? And so Zacchaeus runs, he climbs um, in a tree just to see Jesus. Love it. You know, I can relate to this, man. When I was, when I was little, my, uh, my whole family, everybody at church, everyone called me a monkey. I would climb to the tallest trees I could find and hang by one hand and get the tree swinging back and forth just to scare my mom because that was real fun. Right? Our church had an overhang where a couple cars could drive under and people could drop their, their, their family off right there in front of the front door of the church. And the supports of that overhang kind of had some, some trusses going across and I would shimmy up the I-beam by the gutter. I would crawl out onto that overhang and I would just sit up there in the rafters. And then when the older ladies would come to church, I'd swing down upside down from the rafters and scream at them and scare them to death. Right. Um, and they would go into church and they'd find my dad and they'd say, do you know where your son is? To which my dad would say, no, I have no idea. And um, and so, and by the way, my dad was the pastor of the church. And so pastor's kids shouldn't be doing those kind of things. Right. Uh, but man, I love to climb. And so I can just I can just feel myself in this story of Zacchaeus climbing the tree. Right. Now, Zacchaeus at this point, he wasn't a young man. He he wasn't the type of person that should be climbing trees in public. No, he was notorious. He was rich. Nobody liked him. But here he is climbing a tree. What would possess a grown man to do that? Well, you have to think that this wasn't the first time Zacchaeus had heard of Jesus. In fact, he had to have heard that one of Jesus' posse was Matthew. One of Jesus' disciples was named Matthew, and Matthew was a tax collector. And so Zacchaeus had to have known this. Jesus has been doing his thing for a while by now, and Zacchaeus had to have had the thought, well, if Matthew can run around with Jesus, if Matthew can get close to Jesus, if if Jesus, this great teacher, this guy that's healing people, this guy that's doing all these miracles, if he'll spend time with Matthew... Maybe, maybe he'd spend time with me. If Matthew can follow Jesus, maybe so can I. And I can just imagine the day when Zacchaeus, no one liked him, everybody hates him, he might as well go eating some worms, right? And so he has that epiphany. Maybe Jesus would hang out with someone like me. And if you haven't had that kind of revelation, if you haven't had that kind of epiphany in life, man, I pray it happens for you right now yes. that yes, Jesus would hang out with even someone like you, even someone like me. So this curiosity was piqued in the life of Zacchaeus. And I can imagine that he thought, when and if I, might I meet Jesus, will he really show me grace? Because despite his wealth and the pleasures and comfort and, and that he enjoyed by his wealth, Zacchaeus had to have been pretty lonely at heart. You know, this could be imagined because he was hated by all the people. The scripture said so. And, and so he's so lonely, it drives him to do whatever it takes to meet Jesus. You know, all kinds of things can cause loneliness in life. And maybe you're sitting here in a room crowded full of people today. And you're lonely. Maybe you're sitting at home on your couch watching on the live stream. And the very fact that you're the only one in the house, you're lonely. But a lot of things cause loneliness. Wealth can cause loneliness. Poverty can cause loneliness. Leadership can cause loneliness. A lack of friends can obviously cause loneliness. Shallow friendships, just because you got the friends, doesn't mean you don't feel lonely sometimes. That can cause loneliness. A lack of purpose can cause loneliness. And so we have a choice will I let my perceived limitations keep me back from Jesus? I'm too short, I'm too hated, I'm too lonely, whatever it is. Or will I give him a chance based on his reputation? Maybe what he did for them, he can do it for me too. And guess what? After 2000 years, Jesus' reputation is still standing pretty strong because hundreds of millions of people have come and put their faith and trust in him, all because his reputation precedes him. Number two, what what else do we see from this story and how did Zacchaeus meet Jesus? Zacchaeus' desperation elevated him, literally. So in 1914, it says he ran. He didn't walk, he ran ahead. He climbed a Sycamore fig tree beside the road for Jesus was gonna pass. That way, You see, at this point in time, he literally still had to get in proximity. He had to get in a place where he could physically see him. This was pre-crucifixion. This was pre-resurrection. This was before the veil was torn into that separated the presence of God from the people. And so at this point in time, there was only one way to get to the presence of God. There was only one way to get to Jesus, and it was actually to get physically close to him. But the cool thing is, is that for you and for me today, when you draw near to God, he draws near to you. James 4, 8 literally says that. You just get close to him and and he's coming to you. In Acts 17, 17, 27 through 28, it, it, it says what God's purpose is. And it says his purpose was for the nations, that's you and me, to seek after God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him. Though he is not far from any one of us. For in him, not next to him, not beside him, not off, far off away from him. No, in him we live and move and exist. And so we see this amazing picture that Jesus created us. He wants us to find him. But he came so close to us that it makes it almost impossible for us not to find him. And for some of you that have been searching for a long time, man, I hope this hits you like a ton of bricks. Jesus is right here. And you don't have to climb a tree today. You don't have to make a fool of yourself in front of your friends. You could just meet him. He's here for the meeting. And so Zacchaeus went to where Jesus was going to be. What does that look like for you? Guess what? You're there. You're there. Wherever you are, Jesus is. Guess what? Because Jesus came then in Zacchaeus' time and he died on the cross and he rose again, he's available to you every moment of every day, everywhere. The question then is, how desperate are you? How desperate am I to meet with Jesus? How many of you know that sometimes familiarity breeds contempt? What does that mean? It means that we become so used to the fact that you have access to God and his presence that it breeds a lack of respect for it. Have you ever been there? And you're so familiar. And sometimes this happens in the workplace. You get really familiar with your boss. You get familiar with somebody in a place of authority. You get familiar with somebody. And maybe as a student and you're in high school right now, you have a teacher that's really nice to you. And you almost forget they're an authority figure in your your life. And you start to almost treat them with a little disrespect. Maybe you don't respect their time like you used to. Maybe, Maybe you don't respect their orders and their authority like you used to. And sometimes that happens in our relationship with Jesus. Those of you as parents, have you ever taken your kid out for a special day and you got him ice cream and, and you did all the special stuff. You really invested in quality time and you spent all this time with him. And guess what the kid sometimes starts to do? They start to stretch the limits a little bit more. Why? Because familiarity is breeding a little contempt. Now, does that mean don't do that stuff? No, it means you got to say no. But in our relationship with Jesus so much of the time we take for granted His presence. And if there was a tree to climb to meet Jesus we wouldn't climb it. It's too hard. And so don't let familiarity breed contempt. Run to your quiet time. Climb over all the distractions in your life to meet Jesus. He's worth it. Number three how did Zacchaeus meet Jesus? Jesus knew his name. Can you imagine? Jesus knew his name. They had never met before. He knew his name. Luke nineteen five. when Jesus came by, he looked up at Zacchaeus and called him by name. And just imagine this is your name being screamed. And Jesus is in a crowd. There's all kinds of people pushing in. Jesus is at the base of that tree. He looks up and obviously has to yell at it because there's chaos in the streets. Everybody wants a piece of Jesus. And so above all the names in the crowd, Jesus yells, Zacchaeus. Can you imagine if he yelled your name above everybody else's name? Think about it. Too many times we're afraid of Jesus knowing us. We're afraid of him knowing our name. We're afraid of him knowing what's really going on in our life. Because think about it, not only did Jesus' reputation precede him, but Zacchaeus was probably thinking, oh my goodness, my reputation has preceded me too. And what's Jesus gonna do? You see, people worry about coming to Jesus because they're afraid he might squash them. You know, I've, I've been, I've, um, you know, hanging out with people at, at the schools or in the community that don't go to church. And sometimes when you know, I tell them I'm a pastor, they're like, oh, well, you'll never find me at, at church because you know, if I walk in there, the, the, the ceiling might fall down on me. Or if I walk in there, you know, uh, God might strike me by lightning. Or if I walk in there, you know, everybody will want to kick me out. And so much of the time, that's what people think. And maybe you're watching online today and you think, oh, I can't really come to the building in person because you know, people know me. You might think, oh, well, on the way to church, I'll probably get hit by a bus. I've literally heard people say things like this before. But be encouraged today. The roof hasn't fallen in on you. God's not struck you by lightning yet. No, I'm just joking. He's not going to. But the miracle is, is that Jesus knew him, knew what he was like, and wanted to be with him. Listen, do you feel unseen do you harbor resentment sometimes that you weren't invited to the party, that, that people don't know you, that people don't pay enough attention to you? Do you feel resentment that just nobody cares about you? When Jesus calls your name, he brings peace. He brings acceptance. Your name from his lips can mean everything. It can mean Everything. Kind of like Melissa's story, she's sitting in her car and just peace starts to wash over her and she's, experienced, she's experiencing the very peace of God that passes to understanding. Why? Because Jesus knows her and he's with her, right? Jesus's or your name from Jesus's lips can mean everything. Why? Because we all need someone who knows our name and what's going on in our life and Jesus is that person for every single one of us. Number four, how did Zacchaeus meet Jesus? During this interaction, Jesus made the timeline very clear. Jesus made the timeline very clear. In Luke 19, 5 through 7, quick, underline that, quick, come down. I must be a guest in your home today. Zacchaeus quickly climbed down and took Jesus to his house in great excitement and joy. But the people were displeased. He has gone to be the guest of a notorious sinner, they grumbled. So, Jesus wanted Zacchaeus to receive him as his guest today, quickly. Now, just on the surface, you might think, man, that's kind of rude. Why is Jesus inviting himself over to his house? Now, if there's anywhere, anyone on the planet that can invite you over, that can invite themselves over to your house, it's Jesus, right? It's Jesus. And he does. And he's not bashful about it, he's like, come on. I'm coming over. Get ready. No time to clean. No time to put everything away. No time to fix just a perfect meal. I'm coming. Today, quickly, right now. Now, what does that mean for you and me? Jesus will wait for you. The Bible says he's patient. He doesn't want anyone to perish but for all to come to repentance. He will wait for you. But guess what? He doesn't want to. He wants to be in a relationship with you right now. Yesterday. 5 minutes ago. Now. He wants you to open the door of your heart. He wants you to let him in to do whatever he wants to do in your life. He wants you to surrender everything to say, "Hey, come on in, be with me and and let's 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 have this relationship. He wants it now. Now. So the Bible is clear that the Lord is patient, but what's the definition of patience? And this is what me and Jolie tell our kids. It's waiting until later for what I want now. Waiting until later for what I want now. And so God might be patient, but that doesn't change his heart, that he wants a relationship with you now. Some of you are saying, oh, I'll wait till, you know, life settles down. I'll wait till, you know, I have kids. A lot of young adults make that excuse. Oh, I'll, you know, I'll settle down someday. I'll go back to church someday. I'll do what I'm supposed to someday. And Jesus is standing at the base of the tree of your life and you're up in it. You're looking at him right in the eyes and he's saying, nope, nope, nope. Today. Quickly. Let's do this. Jesus wants you now. It's mind boggling if you think about it that we would make the creator of the universe wait for us. But we do so much of the time. We do. But I love it. Jesus is like, come on, we're doing this now, we're doing this today. I'm coming over, and guess what? He didn't care who it displeased. He didn't care who cared. He didn't care that all the religious people didn't like it. He wanted a relationship with Zacchaeus, just like he wants a relationship with you. Now number five, bring this plane in for a landing. How did Zacchaeus meet Jesus? The presence of Jesus in Zacchaeus's life drove Zacchaeus to action. The presence of Jesus drove Zacchaeus to action. Luke 19:8 through10 meanwhile Zacchaeus stood before the Lord and said, I'll give half my wealth to the poor, Lord, and if I've cheated people on their taxes, I will give them back four times as much. Man, how many of you wish that would happen for you and me? Come on, somebody. Jesus responded, salvation has come to this home today. For this man has shown himself to be a true son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and to save those who are lost. Amen. He came to seek me. He came to seek you. He didn't come for the perfect people. He didn't come for the the church lady. He didn't come for the the people that have everything just right. He came for all of us that were lost and we've all been lost. Right? Amen. Love that. Think about the progression. Jesus sees Zacchaeus. He comes to him. He knows his name. He invites himself into Zacchaeus' life, which I love that. And he goes over to his house. They're spending time together. And then Zacchaeus takes action. Now, Jesus says salvation has come to this house today after Zacchaeus, you know, the progression of the writing is after, you know, uh, uh, Zacchaeus said he was going to give all his money back and, you know, give it away. But. Here, what we know from other scriptures, that was not the condition of his salvation. He was accepted before he responded. He was forgiven before he gave it all away. And so this response to and this action that Zacchaeus made, that's not what saved him. Forgiveness and grace came first. The undeserved presence of the Almighty God in Zacchaeus's home happened first. You see, Jesus shows up in your life, but the only natural thing for you to do is to respond with everything, with everything. Freely you've received, you freely give, and that's what happened in Zacchaeus' life. Contrast this situation with what happened in the, in the life of the rich young ruler. See, this other story that happened in scripture is that another rich guy came to Jesus and said, what do I have to do to get eternal life? Jesus said, sell all your possessions, give it to the poor and come follow me. What happened in that guy's life? He went away sad because he had great wealth and he just couldn't pull the trigger. He couldn't do it. He loved his money more than Jesus. But here, we see Zacchaeus experiencing the presence, the acceptance, the forgiveness, the grace of God and freely, without prompting, saying, I'm giving it all back. God, you can have my life. You can have my all. You can have my moments. You can have my years. You can have my dreams. You can have my ambitions. You can have my job. You can have it all. Given it all. Why? Because I met Jesus. What does this mean? It's more than a feeling. It's more than just getting the goosebumps. It's more than just having that salvation moment. Listen, you can't earn your salvation. But when you meet Jesus and you experience forgiveness, you can't help but respond with surrender. He was lost, but then he was found. And so what's your action step today? What's your response? Some of you, you're feeling found today. You're you're feeling that Jesus sees you, that he's accepting you, that he's loving you, that he wants to take your sin away from you, that he loves you right where you're at. But... When you experience the presence of God, there's also action that is gonna happen in your life. There's things that that God's gonna prompt you to do and and to surrender. And so what's your action step today? When you get in Jesus's presence, what are you compelled to do? What are you compelled to do? You might be compelled to give. You might be compelled to serve. You might be compelled to bring a friend to to Jesus' feet. You might be compelled to just get in proximity with Jesus and and get in his presence and and spend time with him more. You might be compelled to read the Bible like you never have before. You might be compelled to do something drastic with your life. You might be compelled to change some relationships. You might be compelled to, to reallocate your time and your resources. Man. Anything can happen. But what we see from the life of Zacchaeus, and I think this is God's prayer for you and for me today, is an eagerness to just do whatever it takes. To do whatever it takes. Jesus loves you so much, church. No matter where you come from today, if it's your first time, your hundredth time, you've been here for years and years and years, Jesus loves you. And my prayer through this series is that you rekindle rekindle a little bit or it starts for the first time just that fire in your heart all because you met Jesus that you can go back to that moment where you met him you can remember what it feels like to be forgiven that you can understand man he's still seeking he's still saving there's people in my life that still don't know him and I need to bring them to the foot of the cross as well amen so if you could bow your heads and close your eyes today with me what's your next step where are you at? I know that there's some people here today that you need to meet Jesus for the first time. And maybe just through hearing the, the about the life of Zacchaeus, you're like, oh my goodness. I wasn't sure if Jesus saw me, knew me, wanted to know me, cared anything about me. But obviously, if he can love Zacchaeus, he can love me. And maybe... you're just feeling that tug, you're feeling that urge to to get to Jesus, to get to his feet, to spend time with him and, and you wanna give your heart and your life to Christ, maybe for the first time. If that's you and you wanna meet Jesus for the first time today, I wanna pray with you. Could you just raise your hand and say, that's me, Joe. I wanna meet Jesus today. I wanna begin a relationship with him anyone if you're online and you're in your living room right now you could raise your hand and say that's me i can't see you but god sees you and that's all that matters he's looking straight into your heart and he's saying hey i want i want to i want to be your friend i want to have a relationship with you amen if you raise your hand today i just encourage you to pray this prayer after me and you don't have to say it word by word but you know these are the things that you need to do to accept christ you say, Jesus, I believe in you. I believe that you died on the cross for me, that you rose again on the third day. God, I confess that I've got sin in my life and I need forgiveness. I need a savior. And Jesus, I put my trust in you. I need you to forgive me. I'm asking for you to save me. I'm asking for you to change me. I'm asking you to turn my life upside down, do whatever you want to with it, God. Help me to follow you the rest of the days of my life. Help me to put my trust in you. Amen. You just gave your life to Christ, now what? It's time to get in his word. It's time to begin to read the Bible. And we've got some free Bibles out in the lobby at the Welcome Center. If if you go out there and you give them your Connect card and say, hey, I, I need a Bible, then they'll put a bag in your hand with some resources. Bibles, some next steps, what to do in your relationship with Christ. And they would love to get that in your hands. For the rest of us, maybe you've given your heart and your life to Christ. What's your next step? What's your next step? I'm going to pray a closing prayer uh, for the message. And I just want to encourage you. If any of these things that we talked about today is, is speaking to your heart and your life, And maybe it's like, man, I haven't been desperate enough to get to Jesus. I haven't been open enough in my surrender, maybe like Zacchaeus was, to, to let God move in my life. Whatever it is, let's lay it at the foot of the cross today. God, we lay our lives at your feet. God, we ask you to just once again be Lord of all. It's so easy to accept your grace and your forgiveness. Sometimes it's hard to live for you. And God, we just... We, we say sorry for that because you're worth it. You're worth everything that we ever have to give. But sometimes we just get off target a little bit. We lose our focus. We, we lose that first love that we once had. And so Jesus, we lay our lives at your feet. And I pray that just like Zacchaeus, just like somebody who just met you, God, we have that fire in our hearts and our souls again to climb that tree, to do whatever it takes, to, to be eager to have you in our house, to be eager to spend time with you, to be eager to surrender everything. Help us, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us online at Mosaic Church. We hope today's message was life-changing and useful. For more info, visit mosaiccincinnati.com.